Happy Halloween, everyone. <laughs> yeah, happy Halloween, Alex. So what are your plans? Oh, um, I will, Halloween's on a Monday, obviously it's today. I will be handing out candy at my house. So our trick-or-treaters in our neighborhood. Um, it's one of my favorite things. I don't know why it's a flex for me, but I love being the house that hands out full-size candy bars. So while it's great for the kids, it's also really great for me. I'm just flexing on all the neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Awesome. Are you, do you dress up for while you hand out? or I got a onesie at Aldi a couple years ago that is just like pajamas that um, look like a skeleton. So I will be wearing that. I'll be very cozy. Handing out my full-size bars, <laughs> listening to Monster Mash on repeat all night. That is my favorite way to celebrate Halloween. <laughs> How about you? Love it. So, yeah, we're going to hand out candy as well. Um, my biggest flex is dressing up my dog so everybody can see them. And all the little kids love it when they see her. Um, mm. She's going as a dinosaur this year, so <laughs> she will love it. Um, but, yeah, so we don't get a too many trick-or-treaters at our house where we are. So we either go down to the neighborhood um, right down the road or we go up to my mother-in-law's where she gets tons of people coming. So that way we get to see more people. Great, yeah. I love when Halloween falls on, like, an actual day where, like, trick-or-treat happens because I think, of like, kid, like, Halloween in America, as we celebrate it now, it really is you're either partying on the weekend if you're an adult or you're trick-or-treating when you're a kid. And I think back to when I was a kid, how special it feels to actually be able to celebrate on the day. So I'm excited for all the trick-or-treaters out there. Definitely. And I always remember going back to school and like talking to everyone about like what trick or treat was like last night. And mm -hmm. this is the candy we got. And do we want to trade candy? So that's always nice that yeah. they get to go and celebrate school. Sorry to the teachers, but. Yeah. And I'm like amazed. I guess not amazed, but when I was a kid, it's just funny how your perception of time changes because when I was a kid, I felt like trick-or-treating was an all-night affair, and it's really only an hour and a half, which definitely. is like no time. Yeah, I definitely feel the same. Yeah. Wow. Um, welcome back to the Willing Hans podcast. Hope you guys are all having a very happy Halloween. Um, we have a lot of treats to share with you today. We have some fun interviews, uh, listener call-ins, and some spooky history. And we're going to start first with just a little treat that refers back to a previous episode. Um, right, Cassie? Yes. Yeah, so we, after Betsy's episode aired we got a message from the contractor who she referred to in her episode and it was working in her home um, when the piano mysteriously played a tune. Um, he actually reached out to us and confirmed that he felt that presence too. Ooh. And he wrote to us in quotes here, I saw an image approaching the piano quickly, enthusiastically. There was no scare, innocent, just playing the piano. Slight male, 140 pounds, used to live there. So. <laughs> so so what do we make of that? I mean, I think based on, you know, everything that our listeners know from the episode, given this information and just some other chatter that's been happening in the office outside of the podcast, I think that it's not Betsy's house that's haunted. I think it's very much tied to the piano. 100%. Yeah. So what our listener, what you're listening to now, um, what you don't know is that um, Betsy has had some other people in their house to make some comments specifically about this piano and um, the person who's playing it being very um, enthusiastic and almost wanting to show off. So I think um, that Betsy has made it clear that she doesn't want to see any of that, which makes sense why it happens when there's other people in the house. Yeah. And I think it's one of those things, maybe the spirit understands that Betsy knows he's here, 
So when other people do come in the house, he has to make sure they know he's here, even though Betsy's still there too. Yeah. So like you said, it's that showing off, watch what I can do. Maybe he was going to be a professional concert pianist or something like that that ties him to that piano since mm-hmm. Betsy doesn't have a whole lot of history yeah. on the specific piano. So Yeah, he's just a just an old showboat wanting yep. to be heard. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. So today's episode, like we said, will be a little different. Um, First up, we were able to sit down with Amanda DeShong. She is a local spiritual medium and crystal healing practitioner. So she helps channel information from the spiritual world to her clients to provide peace, comfort, and understanding. Before offering her services professionally, Amanda was actually an engineer And through working um, in a more science-based field, she found that science is more connected to spiritual activity than you would think, which is crazy to think about. Yeah, I think that that's like a component that we've really tried to like, we haven't like been as head on about throughout the episodes. We talk about the history and we talk about the house and we haven't, and we've obviously talked about spirits, but not necessarily, you know, the kind of professional services that have really been built around this concept that people believe in the afterlife and that we can actually communicate with them. So I think Amanda's insight is um, really a necessary component to everything that we've been covering this season. And we're so excited to share a little bit of her expertise with everyone. Yeah. So without further ado, let's get into our interview with Amanda. So today we're with Amanda DeShong. Um, Amanda, thanks for coming on the podcast. Absolutely. I'm delighted. <laughs> awesome. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, certainly. I actually grew up in Mingo Junction, Ohio, right up the river. And um, I've lived in many states since, but back here in the valley. And I started noticing um, my mediumship when I was very young. Um Although I grew up in a very Christian-oriented family, as many do here in the Valley, and I certainly didn't understand what I was seeing at that time at a young age. Um, And I know a lot of children and their parents come to me now as a medium because they want to know, you know, what are their children seeing, what's happening with them. Um, And it does happen at young age because we are still connected very closely with the spirit side of life because we are spirit beings having a physical moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're eternal beings. So um, my mediumship, basically I've learned that mediumship proves that. Um, And when I was young, I just experienced things and told people about things and didn't really pay attention to what it was about. Um, But I've been doing my mediumship professionally for about 20 years now. Um, meaning that I'm seeing clients and such. Um, I left the Valley and went for my undergrad. So I guess here's the connection between me and mediumship. It was always with me, but my brain, once I got in high school, thought, geez, I, maybe this isn't. What am I seeing? Um, so I thought I'll dive into science. So I went through school, um, went for my master's degree after my BS degree and another master's degree in engineering. Um, so I kept myself very science minded, but the spiritual side never went away mm-hmm. <laughs> as it does with none of us. None of us can make that science side or the spirit side go away because that is truly who we are. We're spirit beings connected um, to a God force energy, the energy that's around us, loved ones, friends, even, you know, 
material things, like if you have jewelry that someone in your family had, or um, you may have um, a car or somebody taught you how to drive your car. When you get in your car, you feel that person's energy there. That's psychometry when you have something of an object that someone else put their energy in. Um, so in a roundabout way, my mediumship started when I was very young, um, but I didn't know again what I was doing. Um, and then it proceeded until I realized um, about 22 years ago, um, what I really was doing was helping people in their everyday lives connect with their spirit loved ones and friends and even their pets um, would come in for me. So can you just take a step back and explain to us, what was that transition like for you when you went from just being a child and, you know, observing the world around you in a unique way and then later in your adulthood, like realizing I have a gift, this is how I'm going to use it. How did you formalize that process? Did you have a mentor or like what, what guides did you have that kind of took you along that path to where you are now? So I would say that um, first when I was a child, being in that very Christian-oriented family, I was in church a lot, so there was quiet times, certainly listening to the service or singing, where I would see a lot of spirit energy celebrating with us in the service. Mm -hmm. um, but again, not quite understanding it four, five, six, seven years old, what all of that really was. Um, but I was very comfortable with it. So I was very happy to always have that energy around me and open. Um, even when I would take a walk in the woods and, you know, be by the creek by myself. And those quiet times, I believe, took me to a place where I was peaceful with my mediumship. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes people, because of I coined the phrase Hollywoodism, um, takes us to a more frightening place. I believe in life there is love and there is fear. Fear holds all else. Um, and when we're in a place of love and calm and compassion, we don't have fear. We don't have judgment. Um, we don't have all those things that bring us to a place of looking at life from a way that um, takes us away from that side of love and compassion. And so as a child, I didn't have that side. Mm -hmm. And so I think that helped me just hold on to it. I mean, I went through high school and um, kind of just living like a, a normal kid. I was, um, I played basketball, played sports, um, was in band, just like everyone. Um, but I certainly didn't have that fear of seeing things sometimes. And then I went to college and I thought, okay, I'll dive in, I'll study more, and maybe some of those things will just kind of slip away. And um, and they didn't. People would come see me in college for reasons of, you know, things they wanted to know about, and I still didn't understand because I had never been exposed to anything that would be psychic, um, mediums, uh, any kind of mediumship, seers, prophecy. All those things were brought up in the Bible more as a way of, they weren't to be really talked about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, I just thought it was a normal part of my life. That's how I grew up. And a lot of people are developing their psychic ability, their mediumship ability now, because we're taking the time to do it. And it's not as... Um, it doesn't have all the negative connotations it used to have. So people are more open mm -hmm. with bringing this about in their lives. Yeah, I think it's a lot about just like 
trusting your intuition and being very present. So let's break it down for someone who might be listening, who has never seen a medium or not thought much about mediumship. What is that experience like? So when you work with a client, what can, what what does a new client expect when they walk through your doors? Um, Well, it's pretty much just like we're sitting here. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So really it's about understanding to, to be open to whoever's there to talk with you. So when someone comes to me, I usually have a first name basis. So I don't know that person. Um, and and sometimes they have an odd spelling in their name, and I don't even know if it's male or female. <laughs> so, um, so when someone comes in, I ask Spirit to come in and show the continuity of life as my number one goal as a medium. I want you to leave there knowing without any doubt exactly who was there talking with you. So I want them to give details for you, like, Possibly, first of all, are they family, friends, co-workers? Who is this? But I also want them to be able to tell you things like uh, maybe what they look like, things they would have done with you, where they live, um, their personality, whatever it is they want to come in with to, to let you know without a doubt it's absolutely them. Then I ask them to tell you things about your past, present, and future so you can understand they've been with you, they are with you, and they always will be. Um, and the future is not written, as many people think, um, that, you know, mediums are forecasting that future. Your future is freedom of will. What they're telling you is the projection of they'll be beside you no matter what you choose. Basically, we're just going to bring in loved ones and friends and sometimes pets jump in there on their laps. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I really see and hear and feel um, so we all have, that's what I, one of the myths that I try to tell people don't, we all have the ability to use our intuition, our innate ability was given to us by the creator. It's never going anywhere and we can use it in our lives every day. And I mean, the majority of us do a thousand times a day and don't even realize it, you know? So, you know, you see things innately automatically in your life and you're doing them. You stop at a stop sign. Why'd you stop at a stop sign? Well, you were taught to stop at a stop. But you didn't physically think that when you stopped at a stop sign, did you? Yeah, it's just like you a just muscle. You need you to, to stop. Yeah, it's like a muscle. You have to flex to really get the most right. benefit out of so, it. So basically, once you practice your intuition all the time, or you practice like I'm doing as a medium, it just becomes stronger and stronger. Mm-hmm. What advice would you give to people who were in a similar situation to you that were younger when you were younger of, okay, I think I'm seeing something. I don't know. What, what should those people do? Or maybe they think they had an experience where they're like, could this be somehow I'm connected? I would, the first thing I would say is first believe that it was because if you think it was, it probably was. Then I would say definitely speak to someone like myself, like a medium that would be able to help you kind of navigate where you're at and and how you want to either bring that into your life or that you want to set those boundaries and not have that in your life. So I never really understood that because I didn't really have mentors or people at a young age that were telling me anything about that. Um, But I also do intuitive life coaching. So I get people to understand how they can use all their intuition and their own abilities to understand how to help themselves 
more and allow spirit energy to help themselves more um, and see those signs, understand those signs. So that's what that does. And I suggest that children, if parents are out there or the kids have that energy um, about them, is to get them to talk with someone that does this like myself so that, first of all, the number one thing is so they don't think they're crazy. Because a lot of parents and kids, they're like, oh, that's crazy. You can't be experienced and all this. What are you talking about? Um, and and they could be. Mm-hmm. So the basis of it, um, and, and again, if they've watched scary movies or they watch, you know, the paranormal stuff, um, they it could be more frightening to them. So I grew up in that f- kind of fearless way about it, whereas... Now, with all this out there for them to latch on to, um, they could be living in a place of a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. So getting them to understand they can have the boundaries, they can set boundaries, they can do things for themselves, but still involve themselves with those spirits, or they can become more disconnected through their own accord. Like, they can do it themselves. What would you say is the most common misconception when people think of mediums or walk in to meet you? Well, one of the things I can, in a crowd of people, I can usually, like, feel people's reaction. So when they first find out I'm a medium, <clears throat> excuse me, some some of them I see this fear on their face <laughs> because they think that mediums can read your mind. I can't read everybody's mind, or quite frankly, I would probably be crazy at this point because you can't let all those thoughts invade your mind while you're still trying to function as a person. So that's one of the things I think people um, have a misconception of like, oh, geez, they know everything. They're going to read your mind. Don't say anything. Or, Or they try to become very stoic and, you know, not say anything. And but I feel emotions from Mm -hmm. those people, just like I do in the readings sometimes. So what I try to do, um, a lot of people say, well, what do you do? Do you carry this around with you all the time? And um, no, I actually have, like, you could say it's an open sign in my mind. Mm -hmm. And when I want to talk with spirit energy, I can certainly then say, okay, I'm in my office, I'm meditating, I'm open. And when I leave my office, I actually turn off the lights. I pray. I'm thankful for that day and meeting with all those spirits. But then I turn that all off and I erase the day, meaning that anything that happened in all those readings, I literally remember them not. Most of the time, I don't even remember the person's face. Mm -hmm. So if they run into me like a year later and say, my daughter had a baby, you told her it was going to be a baby boy. And, And they're telling me all this, but... And I'm smiling because mm-hmm. I'm happy for them, but I literally do not remember. So you don't remember our session? I saw you like two months ago. No. Well, yeah. it was I a rec- great reading. Okay, I recognized you when you came around a corner, uh-huh. as in like I knew I had seen your face, but I didn't know you had ever came to me. And you didn't say that in... Mm your message. Mm-hmm. You just said you had heard about me. Yeah. So I didn't know you, you had even, I didn't even know you were there. No, yeah. I feel like, like you yeah. said, you definitely need that to be able to turn Absolutely. that off sign. And, Absolutely. Or yeah. else you, I could not imagine. Yeah. So it's like racing. I tell people, I'm driving down the road, you know, do, even though I do this for a living, 
would I really want a spirit jumping in the car seat beside me? Mm-hmm. I think, no, it doesn't matter if I do this for a living. That would still terrify me because mm-hmm. yeah. your mind isn't ready for it. You're driving down the road. You're paying attention to traffic. Um, and again, that's a Hollywoodism thing. They've yeah. shown people doing that. And and they still continue to drive down the road, which is nonsense because they'd probably wreck. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I feel like people need to understand you can shut it off. You have control of this. A lot of people that are starting to see things out in our world think that, you know, how do I stop it? How do I turn it off? It's it's bothering me in the middle of the night. And um, I, I literally set up times. That's why I have a schedule. Mm-hmm. And spirit knows when I'm going to see people. And if there's some flex in that, I'll let spirit energy know, okay, I'm okay with this. But that's the only time. Like, it doesn't come up when I'm out eating mm-hmm. or, you know, talking, meeting with friends. Yeah. I don't allow that part of my energy to open up. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to ask. Has there ever been a time where you're out in public shopping and you see someone and there's a spirit that just shows up and they're like, you have to go talk to this person? That's only happened a couple times. I have to say it's happened where I see the people around them or feel that energy, um, but I haven't said anything Mm -hmm. because they're with other people. And I never, you never know if they're, you know, their family members are very religious or they would believe in it. Or um, I feel like most people, if they heard a message, they would feel heartfelt, especially if it was like right on the button. Mm -hmm. But there could be people around them that then looked at them differently. So I don't want to, I don't ever want to approach someone like that. I did one time when there was, I was in a restaurant and this military presence from the Civil War kept walking back and forth behind this table and he'd walk over to me and he kept saying, you got, you have to tell him, you have to tell him, you know, he's my great, great grandson. You have to tell him, um, that you know about the buckle. And I'm like, okay, I, I mean, he was quite annoying (laughs) so I said okay so I walked over and and I just quietly said to him that um I know this is going to sound strange I'm a medium um but your grandfather's here and he's several generations back he was in the military in the civil war um and you have the belt buckle he says and he just looked at me froze um And he did have his belt buckle and like they were actually going to some civil war enactment. And when he went to those and dressed up, he did portray that great, great grandfather. And he did have his belt buckle from that civil war time. So I think that was just his way of saying, Hey, I'm here with them. Let them know that I know there's still that connection. So I, I felt pretty safe since it was just that gentleman and his wife not Mm -hmm. in a crowd that I could say it quietly but as far as jumping in and saying something to you know I'm checking out at Kroger's yeah Yeah. (laughs) there's like 50 people around and I'm gonna say something to the you know to the woman or man checking me out Mm -hmm. I, I wouldn't do that it's too they could actually have a you know I mean, somebody could have a heart attack if they heard something from someone and it was so important for them to hear it and they had a heart condition or something. Mm -hmm. I just want it to be where the person is comfortable and calm. Mm -hmm. That's why I like doing it in my reading rooms, my offices. It seems like a lot of what you do is provide 
a sense of calm and comfort to the clients that you work with. Have you ever had an experience where you had to deliver some not great news and how do you navigate those conversations, if at all? So I feel like sometimes, um, well, 99% of the time, family members understand how their loved ones passed. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it is um, by someone else's hands. Um, And I have let them understand that the the information would come about, and then it did. So I never asked Spirit for proof of what's being said, whether it's proof that they already have or proof that's coming. Mm -hmm. So then they found, you know, that proof to be when their loved one's life was taken, and then they found out by who, um, you know, the vehicle color, who it was, when it was, how it was, um, but that they're at peace now. Mm -hmm. So that's usually what they want me to understand. They, I asked not to see the horrific parts of passing when it's something like that. Um, but I do want to know enough that I understand how that person's energy went into spirit. So if it was somehow by a gun, I just, I don't ask for those details of what Hollywood would show. Mm -hmm. Again, not Hollywoodism. I just ask for a cold object to be placed in my hand, which would say that was metal, that was a gun. Um, Or they just reach their hands out to me and that's all I see is just hands. That says to me they passed into spirit by their own hands. So some things are, um, I believe, hard beyond our words for loved ones to hear mm-hmm. um, or friends or husband, wife, someone that is hearing that about their their partner. But it's I feel important for them to also know details that that energy wants them to know. But I ask no negativity in mm-hmm. the readings. I always ask for spirit to show that. Um, no negativity, no um, no dark side of things, so to speak. I never deliver when someone's passing. Um, I, I know people that have been told that. Like, you know, I had a friend years ago, you're going to pass, or your husband's going to pass, like, you know, before you. Okay, when you're 100, when you're sitting on your front porch, you know, in an accident, when he's 50, you're 90. Um, when is that going to happen? First of all, we don't. I never want to take that much energy from the universe into my own hands and tell someone that. Um, But the fact is, you could be in an accident and that person could pass one split second before you. Then they did pass before you, but you lived out life together. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I never want to deliver that kind of news to anyone, and I ask it to never come in. Yeah, and I can't imagine why anyone would want to know that. We. We're all well, going to die someday. Yes. I don't want to know how. I don't <laughs> no. want to know if it's tomorrow or 10 years from now or Absolutely. 50 years from now. And maybe that's a good misconception because as someone who's never seen a medium but has kind of always wanted to but has been nervous and scared of maybe getting some type of bad news, it's good to hear that that's something that you don't want to share. You don't want to bring that. And so that makes would make not. me more comfortable, not comfortable, I guess, more I don't know. Just prepared. Open yeah, you know, more prepared, prepared to yeah. come see you because, like I said, it's just something I've wanted to do. But I guess I've been nervous of 
what's going to come about it. And what advice do you have for people who are similar to that feeling? So people that are frightened um, about having the reading, it's kind of like we're just having this conversation today, Mm -hmm. only you would understand without a doubt that the family member or friend is here with you Mm -hmm. because they would give you details that you would strongly understand. But they'll also tell you things that are happening in your life with relationships or maybe your work or finances, whatever it is, they'll tell you or some of your goals that you would wonder how would they have known that while well, they're beside you. Mm-hmm. But it's in a calm way that they tell you all this. Um, and again, they don't take that freedom of choice away that we spoke about a minute ago. Mm-hmm. So when they don't take your freedom of choice away, then you can really see that they're just standing there in comfort. They're standing there as support. Um, but they're also limitless in spirit. We're all sitting in this room right now, and so you know your energy as a physical being. Um, you can't be five other places or ten other places. Your mind can, of course, we multitask, but our physical energy. So, But spirit can be. Spirit can be in multiple places at once. So they can be here with you. They can be with siblings, your parents, everyone all at once. They don't have to be housed in a body anymore. Mm -hmm. So their energy. So just like the energy we're putting out there right now that people are going to hear this um, via YouTube or um, radio, you know, when you're thinking in that realm, you know, radio stations right now, we know that there's thousands of them around our country. It just depends what you want to tune into. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So all you're doing is tuning into kind of your station with your family and hearing what they have to say. That's a great way to put it. I had never thought about it that way before. That's cool. So one of the recurring themes many of our guests have talked about over the last month is that um, if they have been in a home where they felt a presence and they, you know, weren't sure how they wanted to interact, that they would just talk to the house and say, hey, don't scare me, no funny business. Um, Would you recommend that? Or do you have any other tips for people who feel like they are, you know, in a house or in a space in general where there are spirits present? Absolutely. Because there certainly is in this building Mm -hmm. we're in right now. But there is in all the buildings of Wheeling, being that it's, you know, much older town and the energy that's here um, and the good and the bad things Mm -hmm. that have certainly (laughs) happened in Wheeling um, and throughout the High Valley. So you're going to always have energy in certain places. I would suggest that A, you never um, are mean to them in a sense of just um, rude. Um, But I would say, because you wouldn't do that to somebody that just like came to visit you in your house, right? Um, So you want to say to them things like, it's okay if you're here, if you're of love and light. That is telling them right away that if it's a negative energy, if it's a harmful energy, they cannot stay in your house. The major misconception with all of this, people think they don't have control of it. Mm -hmm. You do. Again, it's that Hollywood thing. (laughs) They teach us that you don't. Mm -hmm. But actually, you truly, truly do. Why is because the creator made the spirit side still connect with us, still live as a part of us as close as our breath. But it cannot interfere with our life here in those ways that we don't wish it to. Now, if you're accepting the negativity, 
if you're accepting things happening and you're not demanding it be gone, then that energy is going to stay there. So all you have to do is be considerate. And when your family, when you know it's family members and you see them leaving you a sign or doing something for you, um, give them a thank you because you would to people that are still here. Mm -hmm. You would say, thanks for helping me or thank you for that information. So just don't ever be afraid to thank them because that increases the connection between you and them in a sense of you become more open. They're always going to be there beside you, mm -hmm. but you'll become more open in realizing you can actually have a communication with them. So you do some intuitive coaching. You are a practicing medium for people who want to learn more about you and the different services that you offer. Where can they find that information? And what would you like our listeners to know? Okay. Well, I also have a store, Amanda's Gifts and More, All right. in Steubenville, Ohio. Um, it's a metaphysical store. So um, I do not practice any certain religion. I let everyone be their own individually led spirit. Um, so their spirituality is really up to them. We have lots and lots of things there um, in the store. Crystals, and you can see all my jewelry mm -hmm. here. Um, many things, prayer flags and um, candles and you name it. So people can come there and learn different things about um, mediumship, about spirituality, their intuition. Um, I also teach classes, and you can find out about all that on Facebook under Amanda DeShong Medium, under Amanda's Gifts and More, and I also have a website under amandasgiftsandmore.com, and I have my mediumship, amandadeshong.com is my medium page. And if you have any questions at all, I'm also connected there on Facebook Messenger multiple ways. <laughs> so, so you can find that as well. Um, and I look at those multiple times a day so people can respond or, or talk to me about um, things that are happening in their life. And quite frankly, a lot of people out there now are dealing with anxiety and, and issues of um, you know, things that I believe COVID brought into our world even stronger. Mm -hmm. um, and spirit can help with that as well. They can really help us understand that we're never alone mm -hmm. and that we can seek assistance maybe in other directions that um, hasn't been common in your life up till now. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So you have the shop up in Steubenville, you said. You also yes. recently opened a office in Tridelphia? That's no, correct. actually, Tridelphia, I've been um, there since uh, 2014. Oh, I didn't realize okay. that. I thought that was a newer thing. Okay. No. Tell so, so I'm actually located at A Journey Within at 4235 National Road in Tridelphia. Um, and I have business hours there, mm -hmm. and I have business hours in Steubenville. But if you actually get on my website, amandadeshong.com, you'll be able to see a calendar mm -hmm. um, that tells you when I'm there. Or you can just look at the phone number and give me a call. Uh, <laughs> a lot of people still want to do that phone contact, so that's a good thing. I'm, I'm there any way you want to do it. So social media or phone, I'm, I'm there. Yeah, well, we'll be sure to link all of your information in the show notes. So if any of our listeners want to come visit you, wherever you're at, wherever you're listening in the Ohio Valley, you're probably not too far from Amanda. <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you so much for you are popping very in. Welcome. This was amazing. And I yeah. think it's going to be an awesome wrap up yeah, to our so, series. So special having you here. Thank you. <laughs> you are very welcome. I was delighted that you asked. <laughs> 
The Wheeling Symphony Orchestra is a proud partner of Wheeling Heritage. Visit wheelingsymphony.com for information on all of their upcoming performances, including their American Stories season and Symphony on Ice. These performances are presented by Main Street Bank and EQT Foundation. What an interview. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know about you guys, but I would like to make an appointment with Amanda like today. So, yeah, as a former client of Amanda who has seen her, um, I can attest that it is really a special experience. She makes you feel comfortable. It's not scary. Like she said, you know, it's something that provides comfort and calmness and positivity and light. So I, I really hope that anyone who's listening that's kind of like teetering on the fence or was always curious about what it was like to see a medium now feels a little bit more prepared for what that might be like for them. Most definitely. And I think it's one thing that maybe you don't realize that you need to see a medium or something like that where you have this feeling of discomfort or you just might feel lost that maybe her services will help you guide you where you need to go next or. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's something too that stuck with me. Um, you know, while it's great that professional services like this exist, um, mediumship, it's almost like, a gift that we all have. It's just how much you choose to lean into your own mm -hmm. intuition. So even if you're not seeking out these services, just as you're going through life, thinking about, you know, what is this, what is the universe telling me right now? And yeah. what, how do I want to read into that? I think that's really cool. Yeah. And if any of you out there have had an encounter where you're like, is someone trying to communicate with me right now? And you're just like brushing it off. Like Amanda said, embrace that. Go talk to someone who has experience and see if that's a gift that you have. And if you want to tap into that, I think she's going to be a really good resource for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so next up, we had a listener write in with a story so spooky that we had to bring them in. So um, Terry Jill Boner is one of our VIP listeners. She wrote in about a haunted house that she grew up in just over in Warwood with her mother, Barbara. And um, Barbara actually still lives in the house, so she agreed to come on. And they both have had some very interesting spiritual experiences in the house. Um, and Barbara still actually talks to some of them. Um, one of them she believes is her former husband, but um, I won't give too much away. Yeah. So the interview was really fun. Um, we were able to have a good chat about it and lots of stories. So let's jump into that story. We are here with Barbara Bland and Terry Jill. So they're gonna tell us a little bit about the house that they have lived in for a long time now in Warwood. Um, years. How many years was that? I think it's 54. We, we moved yeah. in in 65. No, like, well, I'm 58. Yeah, you 58. were 64. I'm 58 now. So it was before that, so almost 60 years. All right. <laughs> what was Warwood like at that time? How's it changed since you first moved in? I was in? born in Warwood. Warwood hasn't changed since I was a little girl. Not, not much. Mm -hmm. Except businesses come and go. People don't seem to support Warwood very much. Mm -hmm. So it's well, a shame. Yeah. Well, we're big fans of Warwood, and obviously you are since oh, you've yes. been there. What do yes. you love most about living in Warwood? Uh it's close enough to big cities. It's close enough to small cities, but it's a nice community. Oh. You're a good spokesperson. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> so when you were originally looking at this house, what attracted you to it? What the made price. You 
right. <laughs> we love the honesty. Well, no, it's true. Uh, we lived in an apartment up on Warwood Avenue that actually my husband's or my grandfather lived in as a child. And they used to have seances up there. It's uh, Right on the corner has three apartments. Mm-hmm. We lived there for a while. And this house came up for sale, and we went to see it, and the price was right. And I said, well, let's buy it. Well, we, we didn't have no money. But we got enough for a down payment. And, in fact, the last payment we made on it, they bank paid it for, for us because we never missed a payment. That's awesome. That doesn't happen anymore. That was a good old Warwood Bank, but they've had changed hands I don't know how many times, but I still stay there. All right. So we're here, obviously, because you have some spooky stories. When, where would you like to start with that? I never really felt that it was haunted. Okay. first time that I thought it was haunted, I was at home with my dog laying on the couch, and my dog started running around like crazy, and there wasn't nobody else in the house. And it startled me, and I sat up, and I would have swore I saw two figures standing in my hallway. But by the time I got up off the couch, they weren't there. And I screamed crazy, but nobody else saw it. And then my neighbor started saying, who's up in the attic at night? I said, nobody. But they they would see a light up in the attic. I don't know if they saw people walking around. They they would see somebody walking around, and they would think somebody was up there, even my friends. But I was very young, and my some of my youngest memories of those, like, coordinating stories were that there were floor registers that were to, in the attic, but they, they, they opened to the, to the bedrooms. And at night... Sometimes you would hear what sounded like a footstep or somebody walking over those registers. And it was a very distinct sound that couldn't be mistaken. You know what I mean? Like we played in the attic all the time, me and my friends. I had yeah, all my Barbies and everything up there. We would go up there and play. Um, so that was always, you know, interesting that people would say, what were you doing in the attic? And we weren't up there. Mm-hmm. But we would, I would hear like in the middle of the night those kinds of things. And then to add on to that story, we feel that whatever this was, was a very mischievous, feminine. Um, yeah. In co- fact, I recall going in the, the one bedroom, that's the front bedroom, and it looked like there was a figure standing in front of the window. It was like, more like a shadow, mm-hmm. but there was nothing there. But nothing scary, nothing ever. Mm-hmm. Things would go missing. My yeah. mom washed the lace curtains. She'd taken the panels down and washed them all out. And she kind of, I think, hung them over the ironing board or across the bed to dry. And when she went to put them back up, there was a panel missing. So, I mean, oh, from from where she washed them to the bed, like not not anything. And then, you know, she would get angry and, you know, kind of bring, bring, bring those back. I need yeah, I that. Know. And sure enough, she would go about her business and then come back up and there it would it'd be laying there. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I can remember I had a pair of diamond ear- earrings that were given to me and I always kept them in my little dish, you know, on the on the dresser. And I went to put them in and there was one missing. And I was like, you know, sick. <laughs> I was sick about it. It was my diamond earrings. And um, I went and I told my mom, like, 
I don't know what happened to it. It's gone. I can't find it. I've been all over the floor, under the dresser, all around. And my mom, you know, I would go off to school, whatever. And my mom frequently would clean my room and make my bed and things like that, like mm -hmm. moms do. And she got very upset and was like, now bring that, bring that earring back. And when I came home from school that day, the bed was made, completely made, and the earring was laying right in the middle of the bed. Mm. So that was interesting. Um, another time, a friend of mine and I were going up to the attic to play, and sometimes it was sort of a, a game of, like, avalanche climbing because we would leave boxes and things sit on the steps and I was she was behind me and I was maneuvering my way up the steps and I lost my balance and I started to fall backwards I mean started to fall really hard and I felt myself going backwards but it felt like two hands on my back just kind of pushing me up and she was like whoa what just happened and I'm like I'm looking back because I thought it was her. Mm -hmm. She was still at the bottom of the steps watching this happen. So, yeah, it gives me goosebumps even to talk about it today because I can just remember that feeling mm -hmm. of like, oh, you know, like, oh, I didn't fall, you know. And you look back and you're like, you're thinking it was your friend who pushed you back up, but it wasn't. There was no one there. And we would be in my room. And I remember one time the steps were actually cleared off and it sounded like a baton rolling down the steps, boom, 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 yeah. boom, 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 boom. And it hit the door. And I was like, you know, we would just sit and look at each other like, mm -hmm. what was that? <laughs> and we go open up the, you know, you open up the door like this and nothing there. Mm -hmm. And so those just like, it was mischievous. It was um, jovial fun. I know when I was a senior in high school, um, I had my senior portraits done and we had gotten them back. And there was a specific picture that I wanted to be in my bedroom. I was like, Mom, I want that picture in my room. She's like, you're not getting it in your room. It's staying in my room. So I was kind of angsty about it, you know, like, hey, that's my picture. I want it. So I went to bed that night, and I was laying in my bed, and the windows were opened, and it was raining, and the wind was blowing, and I could see my curtains blowing in the, in the rain. And I kind of woke up a little bit partially out of my sleep, and I saw what I thought was my mom standing at the foot of my bed. And I was like, oh, good, she'll close my windows. And I rolled over and went back to sleep. I woke up in the morning, wet, cold, windows open, but the picture was on my dresser. And I went in and I said to her, when you were in my room last night bringing that picture, why didn't you shut my windows? She goes, I was not in your room last night. But, I mean, just as clear as day, there was, it, I saw someone standing at the foot of my bed. So, and my sister would say, you know, that she experienced from that same bedroom, because when she left, uh, we I moved into the big room. Um, you would catch, we had our makeup mirror set, like, with the back to the door. And every once in a while, you would catch, like, a flash in the hallway. You know what I mean? And you'd, like, turn suddenly. But there was always that feeling that there was something there mm -hmm. and still to this day I've taken my pets yeah. up to my mom's house and they'll sit and they stare at this this stairway like they <laughs> just like look 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 and I'm like what are you looking at what are you looking at <laughs> like I can't see anything but she still has yeah even in a few weeks ago I asked her I said I'm sitting in my living room and I see this 
I had a little lantern sitting on one of my tables, and it wasn't lit, and it didn't come on automatic. But all of a sudden, I see this light blink, 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 and I thought, something must be coming from the TV, and I tried to block the view. I looked outside to see if there was a car coming down the street, saw nothing. But then I went out back, and I looked, and then I thought, well, maybe it's the light in the kitchen reflecting on something, and I tried to block it. But when I went back in, there was no light blinking anymore, but I saw nowhere where it could have come from. But it just kept blinking. This was just a couple weeks ago. Wow. And she still will occasionally have doors. Yeah. Specifically, she says that my dad is there with her. Yeah. Because my dad, you know, had a house full of women, and we were not the most modest young ladies in the house. And my dad used to say, oh, my God, Barbara, please buy them a robe. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, and he was, he, he was, very, he was very modest. And um, my mother, you know, he would, he would prefer that the bathroom door be shut. You know, when you use the bathroom, the door should be shut. To this day, when she goes in to use the bathroom, the door will s- slowly close <laughs> while she's in there, like as if my dad's And saying, I say thanks. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, she's like, there's nobody there. I'm not closing the door. But it's like my dad is there now with her, mm-hmm. and he's like, can you please shut the door? <laughs> yeah, that's something we um, talked with Amanda DeShong, a local medium, mm-hmm. um, just the other day, and... She was talking a lot about how, you know, when people in your life pass on, they stay with you and they don't, they aren't, it's not like you're confined to your body now where you can only be one place at once. So your husband can be with you and your dad can be with you at the same time. And I wonder, I think that's, yeah, yeah. not that I wonder, but I think it's that's true. cool that you're still I'm, with you. I'm saying thanks to my husband almost every day for something mm-hmm. because he does something for me almost every day. And then I think, oh, he's going to forget me. Well, I don't think he does. (laughs) She said he's not going to recognize me. I said, oh, he sees you. Yeah. I mean, it was 20-some years ago, but it seems like yesterday. Mm -hmm. Yep. So that's... In fact, I woke up this morning yelling for you. (laughs) I thought you were in my house, and I said, Terry, don't go. And and you didn't answer, and I thought, well, she must have went (laughs) down. Yeah, I wasn't there this morning. (laughs) So. Did you believe in spirits or anything before you moved into this house? No, and I still really don't believe in scary things. Mm-hmm. I think I think there's spirits that are in, around everybody that they don't recognize. Mm-hmm. But it was just minor things, and I never really paid too much attention to them. She told me I had to come down here, and I said, I don't want nobody going through my house. <laughs> Nobody's <laughs> going to go through your no. house. All right. It's just, Good. it's just, and like I said, it's happy memories in a way because, you know, we've all had some kind of experience. And I know my brother-in-law did not like to stay there. No, he wouldn't. He did he not like stay. it. My parents went on a vacation one time and um, I was still a minor, so I had to be supervised. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I don't want to stay here. You know, he would, he would get very uncomfortable. He didn't like it. So, and I don't know, my kids never really felt anything that I know of. Riley and Chase didn't really actually ever experience anything that I'm aware of, but um, it's pretty awesome. I don't know. He didn't like staying at my house. Uh, Just recently, you know, a year or so ago, he was going to stay there, and he said, no, I don't think I want to stay here. Mm -hmm. But he didn't say why. (laughs) 
Is there anything else you guys want to add or any other stories you can think of? When I was a kid, my parents, I used to have crazy slumber parties <laughs> for my birthday. That was always like a highlight of my growing up. And all of my friends will attest to the insanity of the parties that were had yeah, at we my did, home. We did haunted and Halloween And she parties. would do haunted <laughs> Halloween parties for me because my birthday was the 24th. So we would always theme it kind of around that. And she, my dad, my sister, whoever was available, would be um, in this mastermind plan to scare <laughs> us, which I don't know that they really needed to do that because we were already kind of scared anyways, you know? <laughs> yeah, but we, but we used to make a ghost and hang it out my bedroom window, and it would come down in front of the dining room window. And we'd have it on a long string, and we'd swing that back and forth in front of the windows. <laughs> we did we did terrible things. And now today, I say, you shouldn't scare kids like that. I, I won't. She did. <laughs> I, I had friends that would be in tears, scared. They wrote in, in stage blood on the mirror one time, beware, or something like that. It wasn't and blood, though. It was stage blood. It oh, was okay. fake blood. <laughs> and then my sister said that they... Um, dressed a vacuum cleaner up in a in her wedding gown or something and they would drag it by the cord through the hallway. <laughs> I mean it was rigged up pretty good. That yeah, sounds I, like I a think fun we party. Scared, <laughs> it was we scared the poor spirits that were there. Yeah, I don't they, they weren't a participant of it though. No. They were probably enjoying watching you <laughs> play tomfoolery, but yeah. Well, I think it's really cool that you guys have just embraced this because I think a theme through our episodes is, you know, if some of the some of our guests have had experiences when they were younger. Their parents weren't necessarily bought in, but I love that you kind of embraced it all the way through and yeah. even leaned into it around the holidays with some haunted parties. <laughs> yeah, we did. Haven't had any recently. Yeah. <laughs> and every Halloween, um, my mom and dad used to dress up for Halloween and hand out candy, and kids would come from all over the valley to their house to, to get their trick-or-treat candy because she... Yeah, is I an amazing really witch. witch. <laughs> She's an amazing <laughs> witch. witch. I know she does a pretty awesome witch laugh too. Mm -hmm. I have to say that I, we've, I've inherited it, but she she does it best. Can we get a can we get a witch laugh for the podcast? <laughs> My little pretties. <laughs> Come on in. I need something good for Halloween dinner. <laughs> That's great. Thank I'm coming you so much. Yes, I'm coming to your house for Halloween this year. <laughs> Not sure if you're going to be out there, but I'll find it. <laughs> uh, no, I don't do that anymore. She doesn't do it anymore. We'll bring you the candy this I, year. I did it. Who did I do that for and scared one of my grandchildren? Who was it? It might have been David. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I said, no, that's not a nice thing to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. So where can we find you guys around town? Well, you can find me at Making Magic on Warwood Avenue, 1913 Warwood Avenue, although I'm in the middle of transition right now, so um, things are a bit a mess, but I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying and, to get things accomplished. And find you on social media. Social media. Like that. Facebook, Instagram. Yeah. yeah. Terry, you're being modest. Terry is an amazing florist that makes beautiful arrangements for all occasions, so definitely check her out. Well, thank you. And, then, and I'm retired, but I still work. And I think that's the key to being happy is keep busy. Mm -hmm. Don't yes. sit around and 
I, I, wa I have a TV, and I, I put the game things on now. I don't watch nothing bloody and scary anymore because <laughs> life's scary enough. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and we'll be able to find you at Handmade Holiday, which is our one-day pop-up market yeah. on December 3rd. You'll have all of your beautiful Christmas trees. Hopefully. Yes. Hopefully. If it wasn't for them helping me, I couldn't do it. <laughs> I couldn't bring all that stuff. be way too much. Well, thank you guys for stopping yeah. in and telling your stories. We really appreciate it. And well, like happy, said, Halloween. Yeah, happy, happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. They were fun, fun things. Nothing, nothing really scary. Only that, like I said, the first time when I thought I saw something, that scared me. Mm -hmm. Oh, I bet. But that was the end of that. Whoever I scared <laughs> didn't come around anymore. <laughs> so, cool. Right. Thank cool. you guys thank so you much. This is awesome. Yeah, lots, lots of things, lots of things. All right, what'd you think, Cassie? I love how much they embrace everything that's going on in that house. Yeah, the, everything from the one, just like the actual, like the physical spooky things that happen. Terry Joel almost falling down the steps, knowing that someone's walking upstairs, but to just the fun stuff that they did, like mm -hmm. the Halloween parties and the ways that like they lean in that aren't spiritual at all. It's just like fully embracing spooky season. I love it all. And I love how when they would do those spooky things themselves, they're like, yeah, the spirits just stayed away. They probably thought we were entertaining and like laughing at us for trying to do all this. Like... I just loved every minute of it. And they, just to see that it's one of those things that kind of brings them joy. It's mm -hmm. good memories they have of growing up and being in their house. It's not like our house was haunted and it was awful. No, it was like our house is haunted. And yeah, it was a little scary, but it was pretty cool. Yeah. So. Yeah. I love all of the, this episode. If there's a theme at all, it's just like the positivity and light and the funness of Halloween time. Yes. It's great. And can we uh, mention Barbara's witch laugh? Yes. Are uh, we sure that she's not like little witchy in there? Like <laughs> I know, right? I remember when I did trick or treat, there was a specific house where um, one year there was um, one of my neighbors dressed up as a witch and was just sitting on a bench and like moved and like made noises. And I can only imagine if like that experience was paired with that, like spot on witches laugh. <laughs> I would have beat myself. <laughs> so, uh, in the spirit of spooky season, I have really been leaning into, um, all of the things. And one of which is I've been listening to a lot of podcasts about the, um, origins of Halloween. And I just thought it would be fun to share some of that since there is, um, throughout the season, we've had like a history component. And while this isn't really specific to wheeling, it is specific to the holiday. And I just wanted to share some of that. Is that okay, Cassie? Let's hear it. I'm so excited to find <laughs> out. Okay. So what I learned is that really the ancient origins of Halloween actually originates in a Celtic spiritual tradition called Samhain. And if you see it spelled out, it's Samhain. So, but it is pronounced Samhain and it's celebrated from October 31st to November 1st, and it is a time where 
um, ancient Celts would be celebrating the harvest season. And then also they believed that it was a time where the veil between the dead and the living could really interact with one another. And I think that's pretty common lore in Halloween now. So none of that's really surprising. Um, but what was really cool is just some of the interesting, you know, traditions that or how the traditions have changed through time to um, really be a time of like harvest and connecting with ancestors to really the commercialized Halloween that it is now. Um, one of the story, or the only one, because we don't have that much time, but one of the um, traditions and folklore that I really liked surrounding Halloween and Samhain is jack-o'-lanterns. Um, have you carved a pumpkin this year? I have not this year, but my dog has. Okay. So... What kind a of? talented dog you have. <laughs> <laughs> a little nibbles out of the pumpkin, then we just yeah go for it. <laughs> That's great. Okay, so yeah, we're all familiar with jack-o'-lanterns, but are you familiar with how that tradition began? I'm not. All right, well, let's have at it. So the, the origin of the jack-o'-lantern starts with this little scoundrel named Stingy Jack. So as the tale goes, Stingy Jack was invited by the devil to have a drink with him. And true to his name, Stingy Jack didn't want to pay for his drink and convinced the devil to turn himself into a coin that Jack could use to buy the drinks. And when the devil did that, Jack decided to keep the money and put it in his pocket next to a silver cross. And that um, kept the devil trapped as the coin. So he, you know, pulled one over on the devil, which is pretty bold, if you ask mm -hmm. me. Um, eventually, Jack freed the devil under the condition that he would not bother Jack for one year. Um, and should Jack die, he would the devil would not claim his soul. And the devil's like, all right, whatever, that's fine. Um, the devil comes back to meet Jack one year later and convinced the devil again, tricked him twice by climbing up into a tree to grab him an apple. And when the devil's up in the tree, Jack did it again, <laughs> carved a cross into the tree and um, trapped the devil in there. So the devil could not come down until he promised Jack not to bother him for 10 more years. So he, this guy. This guy's a clever man. I know. <laughs> I can't imagine. I mean, it's folklore, but, I, you know, typically the devil is not to be messed with. And this guy, Jack, just yeah. does not give a crap. Um, so soon after that whole interaction, Jack died. And as the legend goes, um, you know, Jack died. He went to heaven. When he got to the gates of heaven, they were like, um, you kind of suck. We don't want you up here. So you are going down to hell. And when Jack was sent in to hell, the devil and Jack had a dream. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I won't take your soul. So you can't come to hell. And he gave him a burning piece of coal and sent him on his way to purgatory where he'd spend out all of his days. So when Jack left to roam purgatory um, for the rest of his spiritual life, um, he took the coal, the burning coal, and put it in a turnip, which how we celebrate jack-o'-lanterns here, we use pumpkins because that's what's native here in the Americas. But in um, Ireland, obviously turnips and potatoes were more popular and ready available. So um, he stuck the burning coal into a carved turnip and used that to light his way. And that is how the origin of the... Jack-o'-lantern started all because of Stingy Jack. Wow. Yep. That's a lot. Yeah. It was fun. It, <laughs> there are so many fun podcasts out there. So if you want to dig into more of the history of Samhain and all of the other fun 
Samhain traditions. There's one called um, a dumb dinner where you just sit around a table in silence and have dinner, but you set an extra place um, and you can't look at it the entire dinner. It's inviting your ancestors to have a meal mm-hmm. with you before they pass on into yeah. the spiritual realm. There's a lot of um, folklore around how trick-or-treating started. Um, people would leave food out on their doorsteps as an offering to Mm -hmm. the spirits um in you know people would dress up and take them because they wanted the food so that kind of started trick-or-treating and you know there's so much to unpack so if you're into halloween as much as i am definitely um do some digging more digging on that because it's um really fun definitely we have a ton of stuff on we lunk um between quizzes and especially the haunted green or tunnel green that you can check out a lot more of what research we've done and some stories we've given out. Yeah. What a great segue into our Wheelunk content. Yeah. Yeah. We have tons of wheeling based history and folklore that you can check out there. So wheelunk.com baby, visit it. (laughs) Awesome. So thank you guys for hanging out with us this month. Um, We hope that you enjoyed this podcast as much as we have enjoyed talking each week to many people and each other and doing some research for ourselves. Um, As mentioned, if you want some more spooky content, be sure to visit welunk.com and dig through some of those articles and quizzes that we have there. And we are going to leave you with some haunted listener stories that they left on our voicemail. Yeah. Thank you to those who called in. And just to reiterate what Cassie said, thanks for hanging with us this um, Halloween. And who knows, maybe we'll be back next year. I sure hope so. I hope so as well. All right. Well, happy Halloween. And don't forget to stay stay spooky. spooky. I actually had one in East Wheeling. Um, the people who previously lived there, it was a couple and two girls, and they never married, never had kids. So I just had moved in, and uh, me, my 17-year-old son, and maybe my 7-year-old son was there. It was kind of odd. We just got, uh, I, I didn't have money for a plasma uh, a flat screen, but I had a, one of those giant heavy ones that were kind of angled on the back. Well, I had it tilted in a doorway, and then we decided to break. So I had uh, a couple dishes over by the sink, and me and, my, me and my son were abreast of this doorway. And something happened. Maybe we moved. I don't know. And a plate came down and it had a knife on it and the plate broke somehow uh, and then it flew like about three feet off the ground and we measured it tiles on the ground. It flew for uh, 12 feet. Then it hit the back of this leaned TV set and it made a right angle and it came within inches of my youngest son's hand, um, the point, pointing towards him. But I've never seen anything like that uh, before. So uh, this is wild. So so I, I had a feeling of a, a female ghost because if I left the toilet seat up, 
maybe 10 or 20 minutes later, it would slam down. So when my boys left, I said to the spirits, I says, I'm sorry, you never had any children. I go, but these are my children and I'm going to protect them. You can stay if you're not mischievous. And I says, I'm putting this chair outside so you can sit on the porch. Hello. Throughout this story of paranormal activity, I would like to remain anonymous. Within the story, I will be referring to myself, who has experienced this story, as Stephen Jindrusik. In 2010 and throughout 2011, Stephen Jindrusik had experienced multiple, multiple paranormal activity attacks in his bedroom in Lafferty, Ohio. He, to this day, has never figured out anything about why it happened, how it happened, and whenever it decided to stop. What started as simple footsteps coming up the staircase in the middle of the night, or the doorknob of his bedroom turning as he's laying in bed at three in the morning, turned into friends coming over, seeing things in the mirror, multiple cases of sleep paralysis in which a white face had been seen directly in front of people. Some records show that it would be an attempt of eating their face. This had gone on for him for what felt like forever, but had only been a short year and a half length. In that time, he had multiple scenarios in which these ghostly figures would slam the wall of his stairwell that butted up against his bedroom, knocking over windows and even a display knife that had pierced a pillow that he was sleeping on in the middle of the night. As time went on, these events got more and more serious, louder, more walking, and it even had happened when his parents were home and sleeping, and to his dismay, no one had believed him. At one point, he had been walking up the street to his house, at which time he looked in the top left window of the front of the house and had seen someone, a bodily figure, holding the curtain of his parents' bedroom wide open. And as soon as he had noticed them, he said the body had left at which time he went to his neighbor's house and asked his neighbor's house to help clear the area to make sure that it was safe. Time and time again, these moments would happen until one day it seemed as if everything had started to get better. The intensity of the attacks would dwindle back down to just the doorknob shaking, his mirror being in different positions as they were before he fell asleep until eventually they stopped. There was no explanation and there was no reason for these things to happen to such a young man but he lives to tell the tale. The Ohio Valley's favorite holiday show, Symphony on Ice, returns this December. Join the Wheeling Symphony Orchestra December 1st, along with champion professional skaters, the Pittsburgh and Wheeling Figure Skating Club, the local middle and high school choirs, as we welcome in the sounds of the season. It's the holiday tradition the entire family will enjoy. Tickets available now on wheelingsymphony.com. Wheeling Haunts is a production of Wheeling Heritage Media. Learn more about our podcast by visiting wheelunk.com slash wheelinghaunts or follow us on socials at wheelunk.com.